May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Hey, I want to welcome you to Parkway Fellowship this morning. I also want to welcome our North Campus, joining us by video feed. Glad you guys are with us as well. And it looks, if you're visiting today, you picked a great day to come. Because today we're kicking off a brand new message series called God's Imperfect Hero. It's a study of the life of David. Now, when I was a youth pastor, uh, one of the dudes that came to my youth group was a guy named Alex. And <clears throat> Alex was a repeated drug user. He pretty much rebelled against every authority figure. He always wore grunge clothing. And, you know, whenever he would show up at a Bible study, he would just, you know, sit at the back and just basically check out. I'll be honest with you, I don't really even know why he showed up at youth group stuff. You know, I'm sure his mom made him come, you know, hoping for a miracle. Um, but that miracle never came. And after he graduated, just lost touch. Well, two summers ago, um, when I was on my sabbatical, <clears throat> one of the things I did was I would go to different churches to see what they were doing to, you know, maybe bring some of their best practices back here to the park. Well, uh, one Sunday, I went to a really small startup church uh, in Houston. The pastor that had started was a friend of mine, so I thought, you know, I'm going to go support him, that kind of thing. So I get there, and then there's this young teenage girl helping them lead worship, she's amazing. Not only is she a great acoustic guitar player, but, and her vocals were incredible, but here's the thing. You could see how in love with the Lord she was. I mean, when she sang and when she was worshiping, it was almost as if she was lost in her relation with God and just was oblivious to everybody else in the room. It, it was unbelievable. After the service was over, I went to go and try to find her you know, because I wanted to pay her a compliment. I wanted to, you know, help try to encourage her to continue to use her gift to serve the Lord. So sure enough, I went and I, you know, told her what a great job she did, how awesome she was. She was and she was very humble. And, you know, she said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you came today. And she said, oh, hey, by the way, I'd like you to meet my parents. And she turned around and it was Alex from my youth group, that drug-taking kid. Honestly, I almost fell over. I couldn't believe it. And well, sure enough, here's what happened. Um, after Alex went to college, as soon as he got there, he basically gave his heart to Christ. And when he gave his heart, I'm telling you, he gave it all. And soon thereafter, he met this really sweet Christian girl. Um, they got married after his freshman year in school and had a baby, you know, soon after that. And that daughter that was born was the girl who was singing on stage in church that day. I mean, I'm telling you, I was so blown away by that whole thing. And, and it was clear that Alex's love for the Lord had been caught by his daughter. And I have no idea if his daughter knows his story, and I can bet that probably nobody in the church knows the story of Alex's past, because the truth is, that was a different life. That was a different Alex. His heart had been changed. He had been changed. And it had affected his whole family. You see, that's the kind of person that God likes to use. Someone who has a heart to follow him and to really know him. A person like that, regardless of their past. You see, Alex had a checkered past. His daughter did not, 
but God was using them both. He was using them both. And some people think that, you know, if you've got a checkered past, that God just simply cannot use you for great things, which is why during this series we're studying the life of David, because here's the deal. David has some dark times in his past too. Okay, you know, spoiler alert, all right? David committed adultery with another woman. He lied to his mistress's husband about it, conspired to have him killed, and then married her to cover up her illegitimate pregnancy. So David had some dark times in his past, but he's still described as a man after God's own heart. Look, he wasn't perfect. He was imperfect. He was God's imperfect hero, which is really good news for sinners like us, right? That God can use us no matter what. And today, we're, spe- we're specifically going to talk about what it is that made David a man after God's own heart. See, the danger for us is that if we don't develop a heart like David's, we run the risk of not knowing God like we could. Oh, look, we can still come to church. We can still look good on the outside. But the truth is, we're just going through the religious motions. And when it comes to the things of God, they become dry and meaningless and forced out of habit. And worse, our kids pick up on that. I mean, our kids can sense when things aren't real, when we're not genuine, we're not authentic in our relationship with God. And what kind of a message does that send our kids? What kind of message does it send our grandkids about who God is? But look, the flip side is also true. If we can become men and women after God's own heart, then we can have a relationship with God that changes everything, that, that permeates every single part of our lives. And Look, that, that's not just church speak, okay? That's real. It was real for Alex. It's real for his daughter. And it could be real for each one of us. Each one of us today. And look, we'll still be imperfect, like David, but our kids will see our heart. And when our kids and grandkids can see a heart that is fully given to the Lord that really knows him. You know what kind of message that sends? It sends the message that when Jesus comes into a person's life, he doesn't come in just to take up space, and he doesn't come in just to take up time on a Sunday morning. When Jesus comes in, he comes to take over. That's the message. So, how do I become a person after God's own heart? Well, Let's look at the life of David this morning, but let's look at it during the time that he was still a teenager, when God first calls him a man after his own heart. So look what God says in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. Now, this is the prophet Samuel talking to King Saul, telling him that God has already picked out someone to replace Saul as king. Here's what it says, verse 14. But now your kingdom will not endure The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So what can I do to become a person after God's own heart? Here's your first fill-in of the morning. 
Number one is this. I need to care for the sheep. I need to care for the sheep. Now, I know, I mean, that sounds unusual, but, you know, just hang on, you'll understand. Now, when we first meet David in the Bible, the prophet Samuel has been told to go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse as king. So Samuel gets there, he looks at Jesse's six sons and realizes the one that God wants to anoint is not there. And so look what happens in 1 Samuel 16, 11. He says, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. And I want you to underline, he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives, okay? Now, sometimes later, after Samuel anoints David king, okay, he's not king yet, but he's just anointed as king, the King Saul's attendants are looking for a harp player for Saul, and apparently David's like quite an accomplished harp player. So, 1 Samuel 16, 19 says, then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep? Underline that last phrase, who is with the sheep? And then David goes to the palace, and look what David does while he's employed at the palace. 1 Samuel 17, 15. But David went back and forth from Saul to, and I want you to underline this, tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And then, right before David goes to the battlefield to meet his brothers and eventually fight Goliath, look what happens. In 1 Samuel 17, 20, it says, early in the morning, David, and I want you to underline this part, left the flock with the shepherd and loaded up and set out. Anybody notice anything here? David loves these sheep. I mean, he really loves these sheep. I mean, it's unbelievable. He takes care of them even after he's already been anointed king. He makes sure that after he's employed the palace, that he goes back and forth to make sure that they are you know, still under good care. And when he knows he's going to be gone for a long period of time, he makes sure that someone responsible is there to take care of the sheep. I'm telling you, David really cares about these sheep. And I think God, our Heavenly Father, looked down and said, that's the kind of man I want to be king. Because he cares about the sheep, and he will care about my people more than he cares about himself. You see, that's what was in David's heart. That's what made him a man after God's own heart. You know, God cares about sheep too. Look, now, when I'm talking about sheep, I'm actually talking about people, because God says that we, his people, are his sheep He calls us his sheep. So how do we know that God cares about sheep, about people, about you? Because God sacrificed his son for you. Look, you don't sacrifice your child for someone unless you really love them. Okay, I mean really love them. Okay, look, I'm the senior pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I can promise you, I really do love everybody that comes to church at the park. But if I had to make a choice between sacrificing my son or daughter for one of them, my final words are going to be, we're going to miss you around here. I, I'm just saying, I mean, that's, that's just the truth. 
But God in heaven says, I miss you around here. And so I'm going to sacrifice my son so that an opportunity can be made for you to go to heaven when you die. And so God sacrifices his son on a cross and so that Jesus' death could pay the penalty of sin for you so that you could go to heaven when you die. Look, that is what makes Christianity so incredible. It makes it unlike every other belief system in the entire world because Christianity is the only thing that says that God reaches down for his people instead of people reaching up for God. It's amazing. So get this. God has been reaching out to you for your whole life. He's been reaching out to you for your whole life. And he wants you to accept his forgiveness by letting you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything. And all he asks in return is that you would follow him from this point forward as best you can. Look, and you're not going to be perfect. That is not the expectation. But the expectation is, is that you would follow him as best you can. Look, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. And if you've never become one before, I'm going to give you a chance to do that when we get to the end of our message today. Okay? But here's the deal. The point here is that a person after God's own heart is someone who cares about people and is willing to do something about it. It's someone who cares about people and is willing to do something about it. Look, that's what was in David's heart. That's what's in God's heart. Is that what's in your heart? Do you care enough about people to do something about it? And when you do something to help other people, look, that is what changes your heart. For instance, when you volunteer here at church, it's because you care for others, and that changes your heart. When you help someone in need, help someone in need it's because you care about others, and it changes your heart. When you give to a worthy cause, it's because you care about others, and it changes your heart. Look, I mean, does any of that describe you? I hope so. And I'll be honest with you, I, I know a ton of people at Parkway Fellowship that fill that bill. But in case it doesn't describe you, would you be willing to make a change? Would you find a way to do something to help other people? Because I'm telling you, that is what changes your heart, right? But that's just the first step. Here's the second. Number two is this. I need to give God credit for victories and take none for myself. I need to give God credit for victories and take none for myself. Okay, now, let's fast forward just a little bit to where David convinces Saul that he is qualified to fight Goliath. And now, we're going to talk more about that in a message in two weeks. But here, David says, you know, hey, look, Saul... I killed a lion and I killed a bear that were coming out to eat my sheep. So here's the deal. I'm not afraid of Goliath. So Saul, however, doesn't think that David stands a chance. Okay? Yet David is convinced that he is going to win. Why? It's because of what's in his heart. 
Let's look at what David says. In 1 Samuel 17, beginning verse 37, it says, the, he, David's saying, talking to Saul. He says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Okay, so now turn the page over. Okay, David goes out into the battlefield and he faces a Goliath. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Whoa. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Notice that David doesn't talk about his abilities anywhere. He only talks about what God can do through him. And David, he doesn't take any of the credit for himself. He gives God all the credit even before anything happens. I mean, that's incredible. That belief is what made him a man after God's own heart. And that's why God transformed David into one of the greatest, into the greatest king Israel has ever seen because he has a heart that says, I am not going to take credit for any of the victories that God accomplishes. I, or I'm sorry, I will give God credit for all the victories he accomplishes and take none of the credit for myself. That's what he says. So here's the thing. Do you do that? Do you give God credit for all of the victories in your life? Okay, now look, I'm not talking about like when somebody gives you a compliment, okay? Like, you know, ladies, when somebody just simply says to you, you know, you look really pretty today, and you go, yeah, it's pretty amazing what God's done here, right? Okay. Not talking about that, okay? Look, so look, if somebody gives you a compliment, just say thank you and move on, okay? I'm talking about, like, real victories in your life, okay? Um, you know, for like, like when you close a big deal, or you land a new client, or you receive an award, or your kid is named MVP of whatever sport, or you finally pay off that debt. Whatever the victory is, do you give God credit and don't take any of the credit for yourself? Or do you just let other people congratulate you and pat you on the back? Or do you, you know, do what pro athletes do, and you say, you know what, I just want to give God all the glory, and then you spend the next 10 minutes talking about yourself? I'm telling you, it is an easy, easy trap to fall into. But to be a person after God's own heart, you have to give God all the credit for the victories and take none of the credit for yourself. Because look, that is what changes your heart. And I mean literally, you have to give God all of the credit and take none of it for yourself. That's what you got to do. So, let me ask you, does your response to a victory read like David's response? You know, minus the cutting off the head, that part. But does your response to victory, does it read like David's response? Where every part of what you say gives God all the credit and you take none for yourself? All right. Number three, here it is. Third thing is this, I need to take risks for God. 
I need to take risks for God. Look what David does when he steps on the battlefield to go fight Goliath. Okay? In 1 Samuel 17, 48, it says this. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. He, he rushed toward Goliath. Now look, I'm pretty sure that if that was me, I would have said something like, hey Goliath, you want a piece of this? Come get it. And then as he came towards me, all of my friends who were hiding would have just shot him with arrows and I'm safe. Like that's what I would have done. But David didn't do that. He runs toward Goliath. Okay, look, David takes a risk for God. And so should you. A study was done several years ago that surveyed people 95 years old and older. And they asked them, if you could go back and do it all over again, what would you do differently? One of the key responses is that I would take more risks in life. They said that if they could go do it all over again, they would take more risks in life. Because risk is what makes life exciting. It gives it a sense of thrill. And when it comes to God, get this, if you never take any risks from God, for God, then you'll never see God do anything great. And you'll hear other people tell all these great stories about all these amazing things that God has done. And you're going to go, well, why not me? I mean, why doesn't God do anything like that in my life? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because you never take any risks for God. You always play it safe. You always keep it close to the vest. You never like step out there and take a risk for God. Because if you never take a risk for God, if you never take that step of faith, then there's nothing that you can ever point to that says, wow, look what God did. Isn't that amazing? Now look, I'm not talking about taking foolish risks and then pray that God will rescue you. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. A foolish risk is anything that God has not told you to do. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about doing the things that God has told you to do. Those, and here's the deal, those are the safest risks to take. Now look, they don't feel safe at the time, but truly they are. Because if God has told you to do it, then take a risk and just step out and do Your life with Christ will be so much more exciting. And your heart will grow in faith and in courage. Because you are consistently running towards the battle line. And you're not just you know, playing it safe all the time. So taking risks for God forces you to depend on God. So when God tells you to do something, would you take a risk and would you do it? If the Lord leads you to quit your job, and, do, and so you can start a business, would you do it? If the Lord leads you to give a certain amount of money to help another person, would you do it? If the Lord asks you to start a Bible study at your office, even though you've never done anything like that before, would you do it? If the Lord leads you to tell another person about Jesus Christ, even though just the thought of that just scares you to death, would you do it? Would you be willing to take a risk for God? I'm telling you, that's what makes life so incredibly exciting. 
And when you take a risk for God, that will increase your faith in God. And that will change your heart. Right? Look. God is still looking for men and women who have a heart like his. God is still looking for men and women after his own heart. He's looking for, you know, he's looking for people who genuinely care enough about others so that they'll do something about it. He's looking for people who will um, give God all of the credit for the victories and take none of the credit for themselves. He's looking for people who are willing to take risks when he tells them to. And so, get this, when God's gaze falls on you, will he find a person after his own heart? Will you become a person after his own heart? If you're willing to do that, find your connection card, and let's take some next steps to make that happen. Perhaps it's this first next step. I will do something this week to show someone that I care about them. Chances are you already know who that is, and you probably already know what you do. But would you do that this week? Do it this week. And let, that, let God use that to begin to change your heart. Number two, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never become a Christ follower, and you, you know God is reaching out to you, asking you to become one then there's a sample prayer right below these next steps. I'm gonna give you a chance to pray that prayer in just a moment, but check the box because I'm gonna mail you some stuff in the mail. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table just before you walk outside of each of these doors. Just snag one of those on your way out today, okay? Next. I commit to give God full credit for victories in my life and take none of the credit for myself. That's a huge next step. Would you commit to take that one? Next. When God leads me to, I will take a risk for him. Not only when he leads you to, but would you take a risk for him when he does? Next. I'll memorize 1 Samuel 13, 14. This is a great verse to memorize because it so captures the type of person God is looking for. It says, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Would you be that kind of a person that God could appoint you to do something great for him? And so memorizing that verse would solidify that for you. Would you be willing to do that? Or this last one. I will come back for the rest of the God's Imperfect Hero series unless I'm out of town. Now, I mean, we know that Thanksgiving holidays are coming up. If you're out of town, like we get that. But if you're not in town, you're here, would you come? So we're going to talk about David as a shepherd. We're going to talk about what he did with David and Goli with Goliath and the lessons there. We're going to talk about David's dark days. I'm telling you, we're going to, there's so many amazing things about David. It is going to be a great study. Would you make sure that you're here? Unless, of course, you're out of town. I'm going to give you a chance to pray silently and ask God to help you follow through with your next steps. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and whatever next steps you've taken, pray silently to God about those right now.
Father, I want to say thank you for how good you are to us and your kindness to us and your patience with us when our hearts have gone astray. But I ask, Lord, that you would help each one of us begin to develop a heart that follows hard after you, a heart like David had, a heart like Alex has, a heart like his daughter has. Would you begin to cultivate those things inside of each one of us? Because, God, we want, we want our relationship with you to be as authentic, and real, and genuine, and life-changing as possible. So please, do that in us. And bring us back next week so that we can hear more of how you want to change us. And I ask you to do this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.